So we're going to continue on in our um, study that we're doing. Bible Institute, wow, I think we're at 930 students now. It's been growing. I've got, uh, they've been joining rapidly from all over the world. That's kind of fun. We have a Bible Institute. You can earn an associate's degree. You can earn a bachelor's degree. All you got to do is take courses. It's all free. Uh, 20 courses get you an associate's degree. 40 courses get you a bachelor's degree. So um, that's why people are signing up all over. I think they're signing up from all over because it's free. But because uh, free is good. And um, these courses that we're doing now, these classes, they count towards one if you want. Take as a course. Also the weekends. Um, I roll those into a course too. So you can, uh, you can earn credits for those things if you would like. If that's something you want to pursue. Or you can just... Get lots more knowledge if you want. There's 117 or 18 courses on the website now, and um, lots of neat stuff going on. So we are working through a, a course in the Old Testament, doing a survey of the Old Testament. We're spending some time in Kings. This is fairly important. That's all important, but I wanted to dig into this, and I, I think the Kings are areas where we need to see what's going on, but oftentimes. Um, we don't. We get bogged down in the reading. Part of it is because they are shifting back and forth between kingdoms, and you can get lost sort of if you're not um, given a little guidance as you go. Uh, so a few weeks ago, for two weeks, I gave you guys some charts, a couple of charts of the kings that I think are very helpful. So you can tell whether you're in the, the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, or the southern kingdom, the, the kingdom of Judah. And uh, remember, the kingdom is divided after Solomon, um, and, and that was um, 930-some B.C. And, and now we've had a succession of kings come in since then. In Second Kings chapter 10, we're at about 841 B.C., if you're keeping track of those things chronologically. Um, Ahab has uh, just been dealt with, and now um, Jehu is going to step into that role, um, and he's going to do that... Um, by having all of the king's sons killed. There's 70 of them. And uh, so he's going to do away with any competition. And so that's where we're at in Second Kings 10. So let me read you chunks of that, and then we'll, uh, we'll press on from there. Verse 1, now there were in Samaria 70 sons of the house of Ahab. And so Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria to the officials of Jezreel, to the elders and to the guardians of Ahab's children. And he said, as soon as this letter reaches you, since your master's sons are with you and you have chariots and horses, a fortified city and weapons, choose the best and most worthy of your fathers, of your master's sons, and set him on the father's, on his father's throne. Then fight for your master's house. But they were terrified and said, if two kings could not resist him, how can we? So the palace administrator, the city governor, the elders and the guardians sent this message to Jehu. We are your servants and will do anything you say. We will not appoint anyone as king. You do whatever you think best. And then Jehu wrote them a second letter saying, If you're on my side and will obey me, take the heads of your master's sons and come to me in Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the royal princes, 70 of them, were with the leading men in the city who were rearing them. And when the letters arrived, these men took the princes and slaughtered all 70 of them. And they put their heads in baskets and sent them to Jehu in Jezreel. And when the messenger arrived, he told Jehu, they have brought the heads of the princes. And then Jehu ordered, put them in two piles at the entrance of the city gate until morning. And the next morning, Jehu went out and he stood before all the people and said, you are innocent. It was I who conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? Know then 
that not a word of the Lord has spoken against the, against the house of Ahab will fail. The Lord has done what he promised through his servant, Elijah. So Jehu killed everyone in Jezreel who remained of the house of Ahab, as well as all his chief men, his close friends, and his priests, leaving him no survivor. Remember, Ahab and Jezebel were just evil as you can be, so they were dealt with. But um, Jehu's evil too. He's a bad king. Um, Jehu then sent out and went towards Samaria. At Beth Eked of the shepherds, he met some relatives of Ahaziah, king of Judah, and asked, Who are you? And they said, We're relatives of Ahaziah. We have come down to greet the families of the king and of the queen mother. Take them alive, he ordered. So he took them alive and slaughtered them by the well of Beth Eked, 42 men. He left no survivors. And after he left there, he came upon Jehonadab, son of Rechab, who was on his way to meet him. And Jehu greeted him and said, Are you in accord with me as I am with you? I am... Um, Jehonadab answered, If so, said Jehu, give me your hand. So he did. And Jehu helped him up into the chariot. And Jehu said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. And then he had him ride along in his chariot. And when Jehu came to Samaria, he killed all who were left there of Ahab's family. He destroyed them according to the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. Then Jehu brought all the people together and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little. Jehu will serve him much. Now summon all the prophets of Baal, all his ministers and all his priests. See that no one is missing because I'm going to hold a great sacrifice for Baal. Anyone who fails to come will no longer live. But Jehu was acting deceptively in order to destroy the ministers of Baal. Jehu said, call an assembly in honor of Baal. So they proclaimed it. Then he sent word throughout Israel and all the ministers of Baal came. No one stayed away. They crowded into the temple of Baal until it was full from one end to the other. Jehu said to the keeper of the wardrobe, Bring robes for all the ministers of Baal. So he brought out robes for them. Then Jehu and Jehonadab, son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal. Jehu said to the ministers of Baal, Look around and see that no servants of the Lord are here with you, only ministers of Baal. So they went in to make sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had posted 80 men outside with this warning. If any one of you lets any of the men I am placing in your hands escape, it will be your life for his life. As soon as Jehu had finished making the burnt offering, he ordered the guards and officers, Go in and kill them. Let no one escape. So they cut them down with a sword. The guards and officers threw the bodies out, and they entered the inner shrine of the temple of Baal. They brought the sacred stone out of the temple of Baal and burned it. They demolished the sacred stone of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal. And people have used it for a latrine to this day. So Jehu destroyed Baal worship in Israel. So he did that well. He, he was supposed to do that uh, uh, and he did that. He, he basically, for that time, took out Baal worship in Israel. However, he did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had caused Israel to commit the worship of the golden calves at Bethel and Dan. So he didn't, he didn't fully go all in. That's always the issue. So he kind of did a little and then continued doing the things that he shouldn't. And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in my eyes and have done to the house of Ahab, all I had in mind to do, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Yet Jehu was not careful to keep the law of, of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, which he'd caused Israel to commit. And in those days, the Lord began to reduce the size of Israel. Hazael overpowered the Israelites through their territory, east of the Jordan and all of the land of Gilead, the region of Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. From um, Aror by the uh, Armon Gorge through Gilead to Bashan. As for the other events of uh, Judah's reign, on and on, Judah rested with his father 
Judah reigned over Israel and Samaria for 28 years. So um, Ahab is finally dealt with because he, he was a nightmare. But uh, Jehu came in and um, he did away with Baal worship, but he didn't do away with the other false worship that had been going on. So that's why he's listed as a bad king on your list. Remember, all the kings of Israel were bad kings. And of the kings of Judah, four or six were good and the rest were bad as far as trying to follow after the Lord. We'll get to one who is better today. In fact, he's listed as good, but he messes up at the end too. Um, so now we're back, now we're in chapter 11, and we're going to jump over to the southern kingdom, back into Judah. And here, um, so if you've been with me for any length of time, you've heard me talk about the crimson thread of redemption, right? Where back in Genesis 3.15, there's a promise, and, and you can watch that promise go through to the cross, um, and the evil one tries to stamp out that promise over and over and over and over and over again. And he, he does it here in Second Kings 11. He gets very close to wiping out the royal line. That's, and that's the enemy who's doing that. Second, 11, Second Kings 11, 1. 11, 1. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family. Not a very nice person. She's got a shot here at some power. So she's going to wipe out everybody who would have come after Ahaziah. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram and sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered. And she put him and his nurse in a bedroom to hide him from Athaliah. And so he was not killed. And he remained hidden with his nurse at the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled the land. Verse 4. In the seventh year, Jehoiada sent for the commanders of units of a hundred, um, the Kerites and the guards, and had them brought to him at the temple of the Lord. And he made a covenant with them and put them under oath at the temple of the Lord. And then he showed them the king's son. And he commanded them, saying, This is what you are to do. You who are in the three companies that are going on duty on the Sabbath, a third of you guarding the royal palace, a third at the sur gate, and a third at the gate behind the guard, who take turns guarding the temple. And you who are in the other two companies that normally go off Sabbath duty are all to guard the temple um, for the king. Station yourselves around the king, each man with his weapon in his hand. Anyone who approaches your ranks must be put to death. Stay close to the king wherever he goes. And the commanders of units of a hundred did just as Jehoiada the priest ordered. Each one took his men, those who were going on duty on the Sabbath, and those who were going off duty, and came to Jehoiada the priest. Then he gave the orders... He gave the commanders the spears and the shields that belonged to King David that were in the temple of the Lord. And the guards, each with his weapon in his hand, stationed themselves around the king near the altar in the temple from the south side to the north side of the temple. And Jehoiada brought out the king's son and put the crown on him. And he presented him with a copy of the covenant and proclaimed him king. And they anointed him and the people clapped in their hands and shouted, Long live the king. When Athaliah heard the noise made by the guards and the people, she went to the people at the temple of the Lord. She looked, and there was the king standing by the pillar, as the custom was. The officers and the trumpeters were beside the king, and all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. Then Athaliah tore her robes and called out, Treason! Treason! That's kind of funny, I think. That she was the one that killed all the princes. Never mind. And uh, I look at things funny, I guess. Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders of the units of a hundred who were in charge of the troops, bring her out between the ranks and put, it, put to the sword anyone who follows her. For the priest had said she must not be put to death in the temple of the Lord. So they seized her as she reached the place where the horses entered the palace grounds. And there 
she was put to death. Okay, so uh, Joash was the only one remaining in the royal lineage that needed to keep going. Do you see how the enemy almost got away with it? He almost got them all dealt with right then, but he couldn't because God is true to his promises. So um, now you have Joash, and, and Joash starts out really well. But I want to read you something. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. In the seventh year of Jehu, the other kingdom, right? Joash became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. And his mother's name was Zibiah, and she was from Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years Jehoiada the priest instructed him. So he's going to have a really good run as long as Jehoiada is alive. But when Jehoiada dies, he goes way off the rails. And uh, it's a... It's, a, it's, a, it's too bad that that happens because he really brings in a lot of good stuff back into um, the kingdom. And uh, just as a note, in 797 B.C., Zechariah, who some of you have heard of, and we'll look at a verse in the New Testament, is killed by Joash. Second Chronicles 24, 15 and 25. 15 through 25, let me read this to you. Now, Jehoiada was old and full of years, and he died at the age of 130, so he had a good run. He was buried with the kings in the city of David because of the good he had done in Israel for God in his temple. After the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. They abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and worshipped Asherah poles and idols. Because of their guilt, God's anger came upon Judah and Jerusalem. Although the Lord sent prophets to the people to bring them back to him, and though they testified against him, they would not listen. And then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, son of Jehoiada the priest, And he stood before the people and said, This is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands? You will not prosper. Because you have forsaken the Lord, He has forsaken you. But they plotted against Him, and by order of the king, they stoned Him to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. King Joash did not remember the kindness Zechariah's father Jehoiada had shown him, but killed his son, who said as he lay dying, May the Lord see this and call you to account. At the turn of the year, the army of Aram marched against Joash. It invaded Judah and Jerusalem and killed all the leaders of the people. They sent all the plunder to their king in Damascus. Although the Aramean army had come with only a few men, the Lord delivered into their hands a much larger army because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Judgment was executed on Joash. And when the Arameans withdrew, they left Joash severely wounded. His officials conspired against him for murdering the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and they killed him in his bed. So he died and was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. So you can see Jehoiada just went way off. Uh, sorry, Joash went way off track after Jehoiada the priest died. And Joash actually orders that Jehoiada's son, Zechariah, be killed. Now, there's a verse in the New Testament that speaks of this whole process of prophets being sent to the people all the time and them not listening. Jesus says this in Matthew 24:30 and 5. Therefore... I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of you, some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Um, So that Zechariah, the the Zechariahs there are related, and they're probably grandsons in the process. 2 Kings uh, 13, there's two kings in Israel. We jump back to the kingdom in the north. 
Second Kings 14. We jump down into um, uh, Amaziah becomes king, and uh, he's another big mess. And then there's another uh, Jeroboam uh, in Second Kings 14 who becomes king of Israel, so it's the second one of them. And uh, another evil king. We don't need to go into all that. What I do want to do is just uh, now tie in these dates to the dates of some of the prophets that we're going to be looking at in the future. And, and where they were ministering in chronologically is kind of important. So... Um, and then in, in 722 B.C., just so you know, the, um, the Assyrians come in and they take the kingdom, the kings of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, that southern, that northern kingdom, and they go off into captivity uh, in Assyria. So they're gone. And only at that point in time in 722, the kingdom of Judah remains. And they're there until um, the Babylonians take them away in, in uh, a couple hundred years later. All right. So I think I got these prophets written on your um, sheets, just so you know. So Obadiah is, is a prophet that the Lord sends in 845 B.C., kind of his reign, uh, just prior to the time of Jehu. And, and so he's on the scene, and you've heard of him. Joel, the prophet Joel, is 835 B.C., and he was actually a prophet during the time of the wicked queen, uh, Athaliah. Jonah, all of you know about Jonah. Um, he was in 782 B.C., during the time of um, Amaziah and Azariah. Azariah is also known as uh, Uzziah. Um, so you've probably heard of him. Uh, and so that's when he was there in Judah. And the time of Jeroboam too, we just talked about in Israel. And uh, he's there. Hosea, he prophesies from, uh, he's a prophet from 760 to 720 B.C. Again, during the time of Uzziah. And uh, also in the time of Jeroboam II. Uh, in uh, Israel. Amos, the prophet, 760 B.C., uh, during the time of Isaiah. And Isaiah is in that time period, too, from 739 to 685 B.C. Isaiah is still around when he starts and uh, in that process. And then the prophet Micah is 737 to 690 B.C. And um, so that's when those guys are all prophesying. So as you start looking at the prophetic books um, it's kind of it's good to see where they fit into the where the kingdoms are and what's going on there's all these events that are happening and it's just a crazy time in the history of Israel leading up to like I said the exile in um, Israel to uh, Israel's taken to um, Assyria and then uh, Judah will eventually be taken to Babylon in captivity then they come back and then, then things happen, and then, uh, then it's quiet for 400 years, and then Jesus arrives on the scene. First John the Baptist, and then Jesus straightening things out. But that's a lot of data, and um, it's enough for today, because we're going to set some things up this weekend. So if you're watching my video, thanks for watching. And uh, we, uh, we're glad you uh, spent some time with us tonight. All right, we're going to... Um Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com.
We'll see you next time.